Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Are y'all ready to kick off the Advent Sermon Series? Are you sure? Because today is an interesting day to kick off an Advent Sermon Series. Something that we've been doing here at Legacy for a while, actually, is following along the Book of Common Prayer during Christmas time to read with millions of other Christians, both historically and globally, the exact same thing together to celebrate the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ, which we celebrate during this season, amen? And so we use the Book of Common Prayer, the Sunday lectionary, and we take the gospel selection from that book and we read it all together during the four Sundays of Advent. And some of you guys know this, if you grew up celebrating Advent, there are four themes that coincide with the four Sundays of Advent. The first theme is hope. Everybody say hope. hope. We're gonna be talking about hope today. There are three other themes. The next one is peace. The following is joy. And the final installation on Advent Sunday is love. These four themes, I think we could all acknowledge that the world and us as individuals need more of these four things in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but as we kick off in prayer in a moment, I'm going to be praying that I would receive more hope, more peace, more joy, and more love in my life. If you're going to pray that too, say, that's me. Come on, let's pray that together. We're going to pray that in a moment. We're going to pray for more hope. We're going to pray for more peace. We're going to pray for more joy, and we're going to pray for more love. So today is about hope. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 21. If you got your physical Bible, open it up, Luke 21. If you got your app, open it up, Luke chapter 21. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. And if you don't have a physical Bible and you don't feel like opening up your app, it's okay because we got like a a Dallas Cowboys Megatron up here that you can read the scriptures off of. So let's all stand together as a family and let's read the word of God aloud in concert. Luke 21, verse 25 through 31. You guys ready? Remember, the message is about hope. Everybody say hope. Because when we start reading this, you might be tempted to lose all hope. That's a little weird. You ready? Yes. Okay. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Is there anybody in here that's wondering why are we reading this yet? Dude, I thought it was Christmas time. We're talking about hope. Why are you reading this? Well, let's go on. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. 
And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Let's refer back here to the first sentence. Now, when you see these things begin to take place, what did Jesus tell us to do? And what else? Let's say that part again. And what? The title of the message today is Straighten Up and Raise Your Heads. Come on, let's pray before we're seated. Lord, we thank you for this season. You are so good to us, God. You are so faithful to us, God. We thank you for your great grace. We thank you for the cross of Calvary. We thank you for the blood that was shed to cover all of our sins. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for our healing and our wholeness. Lord, we thank you for these four themes of hope and peace and joy and love. Hope, peace, joy, and love. Lord, we set our hearts during the Advent season to receive from you hope, peace, joy, and love. If you need hope, peace, joy, and love. You don't have to say anything out loud, but just before the Father right now, just acknowledge your dependency. Lord, we need hope, peace, joy, and love. Would you meet us here today, Lord, and bring us hope in Jesus' name? And everybody said amen, amen, amen and amen in Jesus' name. On your way to your seat, hey, find three people and tell them, straighten up. Come on, find three people real quick, tell them. Straighten up. Straighten up and raise your heads. How many of you guys are wondering, why in the world did you read that passage of scripture? It's Christmas time, dude. It's supposed to be like a happy season. Well, one of the reasons I've mentioned already, which is it's actually uh, the assignment today of believers all over the world. It's the gospel selection from the Sunday lectionary in the Book of Common Prayer. I love preaching from the Sunday lectionary because it challenges me as a communicator. I might not normally select this passage of scripture to preach from during Christmas, but I'm thankful that it's there because we get to talk about a component of the gospel that is actually very important and extremely essential. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And so we see these passages of Scripture in the Bible, and uh, we read passages like this during the Advent season to remind us of an eternal truth. That truth is that the Advent is soon to come. The Advent of Jesus is soon to come. Advent is a really simple word. I know it may sound kind of traditional or religious because we talk about it around Christmas, but Advent simply defined as this, the arrival. That's what it means. So when we're celebrating the season of Advent, what we're celebrating is the arrival of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, God robed in the flesh, the Messiah. So when we say it's Advent season, we're celebrating Christmas time, we know Jesus is the reason for the season. We're celebrating the advent of the precious, cute 
Baby Jesus, right? The one that was born of a virgin named Mary and laid in a manger and wise men followed signs in the stars and came and brought them gold and frankincense and myrrh. You guys remember that story? And so we're celebrating the advent of the Lord Jesus that was born over 2,000 years ago. But we're not just celebrating the nativity of Jesus during the Advent season. We are also regenerating an expectation that Jesus will come again and have another advent. Jesus' arrival is soon to come. Now, I don't, I don't know who needs to hear this today during Christmas time, but Jesus has come and Jesus will come. Please be reminded today, church, Jesus has come and Jesus will come. Christmas time is such a special time to remember this truth because for some of us in the room, we may need Jesus to be born again in our lives. Some of us need Jesus to be born afresh in our lives, like Jesus needs to be born again, again to us so that he becomes real and life-giving and dynamic and present in our lives, this is something that we are all being reminded of during this season. Yes, Jesus has come, but also be reminded of an eternal truth, Jesus is coming. That's what we're celebrating during Advent. So Jesus gives a sermon. So these words in my Bible are written in red because they are the words of Jesus. And the first thing that he says in this passage is, and there will be. Did you guys read that? Did Jesus say there might be? Maybe. Was there any gray area in that statement? No, not at all. Jesus gave us a guarantee from God. How many of you guys know he is not a man that he should lie? There is no word that returns to him void. If he said it, he's going to do it. Won't he do it? That's right. Won't he do it? So Jesus, he stands up and he says, and there will be. So we can go ahead and write it down. It's a sure thing. What is it? What, what, what will there be? He goes on and he says, there will be something called signs. Everybody say signs. That's what Jesus is telling us. There will be signs. Now, what will those signs be? He gives us a list, actually. Would you guys mind to pull uh, the scripture up? Just from the start, verse 25. He gives us a list here. So interesting. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth and in nations and then in waves and the sea and people fainting from fear. How many of you guys read stuff like this and you just get all the way freaked out? He's like, look, there's going to be signs. And, and they're going to be in the sun and the moon and the stars. Now, that is kind of weird because what Jesus is telling us is that there are going to be signs in outer space. I have successfully snuck the words outer space into a sermon. I'm like a big interstellar fan, and I love space, and I love movies about space, and so this just gets me all the way hype. Like Jesus said, what's up, Elon Musk? There will be signs. What's up, Richard Branson? There will be signs in outer space. That's what Jesus said. There's going to be some signs in outer space. 
Where else? He said there's gonna be some signs in the earth. That's the natural world. That's, that's nature, right? Uh, that's our whole natural world. And then he also said there's gonna be some signs in the waves and the sea. That's the oceans. Does this scare anybody else but me? No? Okay, I'm, you guys are gonna have to pray for me after this. Because I read passages of scripture like this, and I'm like, this is like some post-apocalyptic dystopian film that our culture is obsessed with. Jesus is promising. Notice he's not saying maybe there's gonna be some mysterious things that are gonna happen in outer space in the natural world and in the seas. He's saying, listen, some crazy, mysterious, unexplainable signs are gonna happen in these three places. Now, when I read this, I just think about all the movies that I've watched that are like, kind of spooky, kind of scary. Our culture is so obsessed with zombies. Have you guys noticed that? What is that about? It's almost as if we want zombies. It's so weird, dude. Like, it's almost as if we want some like dystopian, post-apocalyptic scenario, as though that is preferred to the life that we have now. Yeah, right. I have seen the movies. I just watched the uh, what was it, Fitch? Is that what it's? Finch? Finch? Fitch? Have you guys watched? Okay, nobody but me. So much for this illustration. It has Tom Hanks, all right? It's basically castaway, but different. That's all it is. That's all it is. And instead of Wilson, the volleyball, he has a robot. It's the same exact plot, all right? This is what Hollywood does. They just bring back around the same old thing. It's like Taylor Swift. Just, okay. just. I'm playing. My bad, Taylor. It's a good joke. No, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. And what I realized is that our culture is really, really obsessed with these type of stories and these images. But if you love movies like that, can I encourage you? Just read your Bible. Because it's not only our culture that is obsessed with like these post-apocalyptic images. If you read the Old Testament, you'll recognize that the prophets are as well. Have you noticed that? Like they're in a mood. I pulled a few, Isaiah 13, for the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not give light. The sun will be dark at its rising and the moon will not shed its light. That's spooky. Look at Amos, and on that day, declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon. No, thank you. And darken the earth in broad daylight. I don't want that scenario. Personally, that's just me. And then look at Joel 2 and 31, like that is the king of all apocalyptic passages, isn't it? Joel chapter two, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. That, somebody needs to make a movie, right? And the sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Now, I will be honest and tell you, as humbly as I know how. I don't know if these are actual, uh, literal 
things that are going to happen at a particular time, or they are metaphorical or allegorical. I, I'm really not sure as of yet in my own study and research, but I think that we could all agree that whether they are literal or allegorical, what Jesus said would happen is actively happening right now before our very eyes. We are seeing crazy things happen in space, crazy things happen in the natural world, crazy things happening in the seas, and what is it doing? Exactly what Jesus prophesied it would do, which is causing distress and perplexity in the nations of the earth, and it's causing people to faint for fear and to have anxiety and to buy up all the toilet paper. That was in the message version. That's what Jesus said. But I think we could all acknowledge whether it's allegorical, whether it's actual, what Jesus said would happen is happening. Have you guys pulled up Facebook today? Have you turned on the news this weekend? There is somebody somewhere freaking out, going nuts, distressed over the future. There is some government somewhere doing their best to try to be calcul you know, calculating and respond well to certain natural disasters, and they're having a hard time. Like, our world is experiencing distress. Hello, hashtag 2020, hashtag 2021, maybe hashtag 2022. We don't know. No one, none of us knows the future entirely. We don't know exactly what will happen, but we do know that the Bible tells us that all of these things that happen in our world are in fact signs. Everybody say signs. That's what they are. They're signs. That's what Jesus said. They are signs. When you see these things, you don't have to be overcome with perplexity and anxiety and go into a deep, dark state. You can recognize that's a sign because Jesus said there's going to be signs in nature and there's going to be signs in nations. And when you see them, you don't have to faint from fear because you have no idea what could happen next. You can simply look at it and say, that's a sign. Jesus was proactively and prophetically preparing us for 2022, for Advent 2021. I don't know about you, but that gives me confidence, knowing that God has gone before me, and he has given me his word. He's given me an instruction manual. He's given me wisdom and insight as to how the world would respond to crazy, mysterious, unexplainable things happening, and telling me, hey, when you see these things happen, notice they are signs. Now, how many of you know that the job description of a sign is to point to something? I'm gonna try this out. How, how many of you guys know over here that the job description of a sign is to point to something. The sign is not a destination. The sign is simply pointing to the destination. So if Jesus is telling us this is a sign, what is the sign pointing to? I think you guys are catching on. What, what is the sign pointing to? Well, verse 27, Jesus says, the sign is pointing to this. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Hallelujah. I'm going to read it again. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
All of these signs are pointing to something, church, the advent of Jesus Christ. These signs that are happening in nature, they're pointing to something, church, the advent of Jesus Christ. These signs that are happening in nations, church, they are pointing to something, and that is the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has come, and Jesus will come. All of these things are pointing to that end. In Acts chapter 1, whenever uh, the disciples watched as Jesus ascended to the Father, the angels responded and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Does that encourage anybody in here? It encourages me. You know why? Because Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Does that, does that encourage anybody in here? It encourages me. It reminds me to think with an eternal perspective. It reminds me that this earth is not my home. Is that one of these days, I'll fly away. One of these days, I'll get to live out in paradise for eternity with the lover of my soul whose name is Jesus. What, what a beautiful reminder during Christmas time that Jesus has come. Yes, his nativity 2,000 years ago, but also Jesus will come despite the anxiety, despite the natural disasters, despite the political turmoil, despite all of the craziness happening in our current events, we can know with expectation and confidence, with hope, everybody say hope, that Jesus is coming back. This has uh, recently become my primary doctrinal statement regarding my eschatological beliefs. You guys know what eschatology is? It's the study of the end times. And I was talking to my pastor the other day. I said, you know, do I need to do a series on the end times? Because I remember being a part of a like, series on end times as a child. And it freaked me all the way out. Do you guys remember the flip charts? So no one grew up like me. A flip chart? All oh, these scary people would come to your church and they would have like this flip chart and they had like pictures of like hell and like, oh yeah. <laughs> they would scare you into salvation. They'd be like, you better repent. You're gonna die and go to hell. It was very interesting. So they would like go through the, the flip chart and like they'd go through the nations and they'd go through the book of Revelation and, and like I remember that as a kid and so uh, you know, as an adult and now as a pastor, uh, I was asking my pastor the other day after reading this passage, I'm like, do you think I should do like a full on series on the end times? Because, you know, I've read a lot of different things and I look up to a lot of different preachers that have a lot of different perspectives on the end times and eschatology. And we both agreed that the best and the primary uh, statement that I could make in this season as a pastor on eschatology is simply this. You ready for it? Jesus is coming back. I, there's a lot I don't know. L listen, there's a lot I don't know. I'm, I'm telling you honestly. I know you think I, 
maybe you, not the first service. Like, they think I should know everything. Like, you're the pastor, you should know everything. You should be completely studying on, on every subject and all that. I get that. Listen, you don't know when Jesus is coming back. And neither do I. You know how I know you don't know? Matthew chapter 24. Because Jesus said nobody knows the hour. Nobody knows the day. Nobody knows the season. It's the Father who knows. And so what I do know and what I want to emphatically say to you guys today, and I'm sorry if that upsets you, but what I want to say to you is Jesus is coming back. And here's how I know, because Jesus said. So that's what we're being reminded by reminded about during the Advent season is that emphatically and in fact, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. So that's what these signs are all pointing to, whether they are, you know, distress in people, distress in nations, distress in nature. It's, It's all a sign that's pointing to one eternal truth, which is the fact that the Advent is soon to come. Jesus, in fact, is coming back. This is something in 1 Thessalonians that Paul tells the church to encourage each other with these words. Look at each other and say, Jesus is coming back. Does that encourage you? It encourages me, and I had forgotten how encouraging that phrase is until I started studying this this week. I just kept telling myself over and over in study, like, Jesus is coming back. I don't have to be distressed over all this stuff. I don't have to freak out over all this stuff because I know that my God is good. I know that my God is faithful, that he is not a man that he should lie, and in fact, he will return again. Jesus is coming back. So, because of this truth, Jesus tells us that this should affect our posture. The way that we do life, our posture, the posture of our hearts, the posture of our our spines, if you will, because he says himself, straighten up. Straighten up. Let this truth permeate into your posture. Let, Let the truth that Jesus is returning cause you to straighten up in your life and lift your head in your life and have boldness and have confidence and have trust knowing that no matter what comes your way, you have everything that you need in Christ to face it plus. That's the truth. The facts may suggest something different, but the truth is Jesus has got your back. He's been faithful to you forever. He will continue to be faithful to you forever so you can face anything with Hope, with hope. I I, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. Natural disasters are probably going to continue to happen. National governments are not going to know how to handle all of them. Many people are going to freak out and do weird things. Anxiety about the future is real, no doubt, and none of us truly know what is about to happen next. And this is exactly why the advent of Jesus reminds us that Christ came so that we could have hope. Um, hope, hope is one of those things that our culture um, defines as a reluctant bet. You know what I'm saying? Like when somebody, when somebody responds to you and says, um, I hope so, what do they really mean? Oh, the Lakers are going to win another game. I hope so. I'm sorry. Right? It's kind of like it's a wishy-washy response, right? Like, I, uh, I hope so, right? So 
hope as a cultural expression is very different from hope as a biblical definition. Okay, let me read to you from the uh, Dictionary of Bible Themes what uh, the Bible defines as what hope actually is. It is a total grounding of one's confidence. Somebody say, straighten up. And expectation. Somebody say, raise up your head. Right? That confidence has got my back. This expectation has got my vision. I am not... I'm, I'm, I'm expecting something. I'm looking up. I'm looking ahead. I'm expecting the faithfulness of God. I'm expecting God to come through for me. I'm expecting God to do what he's always done. I have total confidence that God is going to come through. It informs my posture. My back is straight. I'm ready to go. A total grounding is what hope is in the confidence and expectation in God's goodness. Isn't he good? and providential care even in the face of trouble. That is what hope is. Hope is a sure and confident expectation in God's future faithfulness and presence. I don't know about you guys, God's batting a thousand in my life. He never misses. He always comes through. It may not be on my timetable, but he always comes through on his, amen? Anybody else having this experience in life? That God always comes through. He's always good. He's always gracious. Amen? Amen? And so we remember our testimonies to prophesy our future. If God's never let me down in the past, then why in the world would God let me down in the future? You can stake everything on God's reputation. You can stake everything on the track record of Jesus. He's never struck out in your life, and he's never going to leave you hanging in your life. Man, I don't know who I'm preaching to today. I understand it's Christmas time, and this is like one of them Sunday school messages. You're like, I already know this. But listen, we need to be reminded of this because there are so many believers, not, not just throughout the world, people, human beings, image bearers, all of us. This applies during certain seasons. We lose hope. We lose it, don't we? Now, every message needs to be about revelation. Sometimes it just needs to be about remembering. Read through the Bible. See how many times God said through a prophet or through his own son, remember. Hope is important, church, which is why we focus on it during Advent because it's one of those things that even when we don't recognize it, it actually slips away from us. And then we suffer despair despondency, we suffer depression, we suffer um, fear and anxiety and perplexity, and we're in a space where we're like, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, therefore I'm just going to sit in a stalemate in my present, and I'm not going to do anything, I'm so afraid, I don't know if God's going to come through for me, I think God's abandoned me. That's hopelessness, church, that's what that is, and Advent has happened so that your hope could be regenerated. How many of you guys remember that proverb? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I don't know if you'd acknowledge it today, but I think that we have a whole lot of believers that have forgotten about the reality of the hope that Christ is to you. We have a whole lot of believers who have given up on their God promises. They've given up on their prophetic words. They've given up on... Uh, their life in Christ, they're like, man, I'm sick in my heart, man. I don't believe that God is who he says he is. 
I don't believe that God's going to follow through on his word. I, I've been hurt too many times. I don't have any more hope. It's all gone. It's finished. I think if we're honest, we can acknowledge for some of us, we've been as patient as we're willing to be. I've been waiting on God long enough. I'm done. My hope's gone. Zero, zilch, nada, not happening. I'm done waiting. Doing something different. I'm done waiting on my healing. I'm done waiting on my breakthrough. I'm done waiting on that promotion. I'm done. I'm finished. Listen, Jesus has come in your life. Jesus will come again in your life. That's what Advent is all about. It's about regenerating that expectation. It's about regenerating that confidence. If God would wrap himself up in the dressing room of Mary's womb and come in flesh for you, hang on a cross, die, spill his blood, rip his flesh so that you could know the knowledge of eternal salvation in his name, do you really think he's gonna let you falter in something in 2022? It's not gonna happen. That's what Advent is about. That's what Advent is about. Regenerating hope. No, God is coming through. God is faithful. I can have confidence in God. I can expect God to show up. I can expect breakthrough wherever Jesus is. If he said it, he's going to do it. He's a man of his word. That's what Matt said, right? He's a man of his word. That is Jesus. An absence of hope leads to a loss of vision. It leads to a sense of despondency and ultimately to despair. Uh, hopelessness looks like I feel abandoned by God. Uh, hopelessness looks like I want my life to end. Hopelessness could look like I'm feeling suicidal. So let's just kick off the Advent series. We're finishing now, but let's just, let's just kick off the Advent series like just being honest. And if you need hope, I just want you to know Jesus is in the room to bring you hope. I, I just, I, I really sense this. I don't think he is willing to let you drive home without hope. That's what I said. He's not willing. Like before you get out of this room, I feel like the Lord is grabbing some of you guys by the collar right now and said, listen, you've gone without hope for far too long. You've lived below the standard of what I paid for on the cross for you to experience as life and life abundantly. You're going home with some hope. I'm not going to let you go through the holidays hopeless. I'm not going to let you spend time in isolation and be down on yourself and suffer from this like Oh, God's abandoned me. He is adventing. <laughs> he is adventing right now. He is arriving in your life again right now. If you receive it, say, I receive it. Come on, let's stand up and pray. Lord, you've come, you'll come again. The very fact that you've that you've come before actually guarantees that you will come again. The fact that you have showed up in my finances before actually prophesies that you'll show up in my finances again. The fact that you've shown up in my marriage before actually guarantees that you're gonna show up in my marriage again. The fact that you've shown up in my relationships, the fact that you've shown up in my health, in my physical body, the fact that you've shown up in my family, the, the, the fact that you've shown up as I have put prayer requests before the throne guarantees that you will come again. 
If you need to, just remind yourself of a testimony. What's the greatest thing that God has done in your life? What's the most magnificent advent that has ever taken place in your life? For some of us, you immediately think about where you were the day that God saved you. He came into your life. He saved you in the most wretched of all places. Perhaps you were, you were barren in your mind, in your heart. Perhaps you were broke. Perhaps you were living out of your car. Perhaps some of you were like me. I was a drug addict. Completely disconnected from my parents, my, my brothers, from love, from relationships that were important to me. That's where Jesus found me. I don't know where Jesus found you, but Jesus came into your life. Jesus has come, and that church, it guarantees that he will come again. I want you to think about that just for a minute, just for a minute. I wanna give you a moment. Please, I'm asking you, please regenerate in your soul hope again. Think about it. Where did Jesus find you? What has, done, what has God done for you? What did he do in your health over the last couple of years? Did he do a miracle in your body over the last couple? What did he do in your mind? Come on, let me ask you, what do you do in your job? What do you do in your finances? What did he do in your marriage? Some of you guys have met your spouses in the last couple of years. Come on, look what God has done. Remind yourself, regenerate some hope in your life. Look at how God's track record is perfect. Look at how he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Look at how, lo, behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age, I'm never gonna leave you. Look and be reminded that he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Yes. <laughs> Can't help but to think about like on the road to Emmaus, you know, even when they thought he was gone, he was dead, he was finished, he was absent, that he had abandoned them. Look who was walking with him. For some of us in this season, we're like, I, the hope is dead. Hope done got buried like three days ago. Hope is finished. There ain't no hope for me. There's no resurrection life for me. There's no coming through for me. And yet, here you are complaining, and Jesus is listening. You don't know it's him, but he's walking right with you because his presence has never left you. His presence has never forsaken you. His faithfulness is true to the very end. Let that testimony regenerate hope for a future experience. I know that's personal, but also let, let that hope move in your soul for what we're experiencing collectively. Not just personally, not just individually, but collectively. And not just as Legacy Church, not just as Nashvilleans, not just as Americans. How about as humans for a minute? Just let that hope. We are experiencing, we've gone through some really turbulent times over the last couple of years. If we look and read the news, we might get really down on the state of the nations or the state of humanity and believe, man, this thing's going to hell in a handbasket and quick. We can't get along. We're constantly divided over things that don't matter. All these things are signs, Jesus said. So I wanna ask you, how are you responding to the signs? How are you responding to the signs? Are you filled with hope? 
Are you ready to help? You're extending a hand in love? Keeping your brother, your sister? You loving people? Or are you adding fuel to the fire with attacks and gossip and divisions and hatred? How are you responding to the signs? Jesus has come. Jesus will come again so that we could see the signs and respond with hope. Jesus, you are the hope of the world. May we live like we know that to be the truth. To every eye closed, every head bowed, just one last time. If you're in the room right now and you do not know Jesus, you are far from God and you need to come back home. I just want to create an opportunity right quick for you to respond. If that's you, will you just lift your hand? You're like, man, today's my day. Today's the day of salvation. I want to pray with you. If that's anybody in the room, if you need to come back home, you're like, I, I need to get born again again. You can, you can respond as well. Maybe you're a Christian, but you're very disconnected from Jesus. I want to pray for you as well. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I didn't, I didn't see any hands raised, so I'm going to finish here. Lord, may we interpret the signs well. May we interpret the signs well. Craziness in nature and nations. May we remember eternally that you are coming back and that we get to be with you forever. Put an eternal mindset over us, God, that we might remember that we're living for something greater than temporary stimulation. We receive hope in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can everybody just say, I receive hope? hope. Amen and amen and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.